Thank you for downloading this episode of Battleship Pretension. Uh, a quick word before we start. Uh, we had some computer problems right at the end. The whole uh, meat of the episode is intact, but mm-hmm. right at the end during our, our goodbyes, during the, the, the guests' uh, plugs, it There are about 15 out. seconds left, I would say. Uh, yeah. And then it, it stopped working. Yeah. But um, we did uh, try to patch it up by recording a little uh, end. We'll see if you, see see if you if can you tell. Notice. Uh, where it happened. But um, again, thank you for downloading and uh, please enjoy this episode of Battleship Retention after this fantastic theme music. Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Because we're recording this episode so far in advance. You might be dead by, <laughs> by the time this goes up. Yeah. Um, I can say that I'm, uh, in, I'm, I'm in, a, in a great but uh, kind of exhausted mood. As of the, the time of this recording, like I said, it, it won't be up for a few weeks, but this is the first one we've recorded since I came back from New Orleans from going to Mardi Gras for mm-hmm. my first time. Uh, just under 24 hours ago, I got I got back in town, and uh, uh, it was a blast. And now it's going to be a regular thing, yeah, for me. So uh, you're going to be one of those people. Well, I'm not going to like proselytize about Mardi Gras oh, like okay. the rest of the year. Okay, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but what do you like more, Mardi, Mardi Gras or Comic Con? Uh, you know, it's they're 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 different different animals. I mean, okay. Um, Comic Con, a lot of people that I know tend to be there, and I yeah. see people I only see at Comic Con, and that's 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 fun. Um, uh, the Mardi Gras, there's no, you know, there's it's no there's no not- panels to go into and like not drink for an hour and a half. It's just about the drinking all day long. They should add panels to Mardi, Mardi Gras, just like <laughs> all right, here's the drinking panel. <laughs> anyway, but I'm, I'm sure I'm insulting someone's culture by saying it's just about the drinking. That's what I did was just drink. No. I know, and I did see a, I saw a lot of music. Um, you know, caught some beads, threw some beads, all, all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my headspace right now. Mm. So uh, if I'm in an exhausted and yet relaxed headspace, you'll you'll know why uh, as we move into our discussion with our with our guest this week. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, our, our guest is someone we have uh, plucked, handpicked from the uh, Los Angeles stand-up comedy scene. Uh, he's uh, a comic who um, resides and performs here in Los Angeles, but you have maybe seen him all over all over the country, even all over the continent. You've been to performed in Montreal and Atlanta and all sorts of other places like Mexico that. Mexico City. Uh, <laughs> Mexico City. I don't like to uh, talk about that. One. <laughs> uh, Lost a lot of good men down there. Carl Hess. Thank you for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming. Um, I, I'm actually in kind of the opposite headspace as you because I'm going to New Orleans to do some shows in like a week. Oh, really? And I'm like so excited because I went there to do some shows like four months ago and I was it was the first time I'd ever been there and I was so excited because it was just like drinking uh-huh. eating great food and live music it's like those are yeah. my three favorite things like it's, how have i never been to the city that's the bedrock upon which the city is built yeah so i i felt it was like a personal failing that in 27 <laughs> years i'd never been in new orleans then i went and I had like just two nights and it was 
pretty much everything I could have hoped for. Like it was just yeah. amazing. I like, was 27 the first time I went to. In fact, I turned 28 in New Orleans oh, my man. first time. Wow! And, but this, yeah, this is my third time in New Orleans. My my first Mardi Gras. It's amazing. They yeah, do say that when you turn 28, there's no better place to do it than in New Orleans. <laughs> right. but, but only 28. Yeah. Oh, Anything okay. after that, it just comes kind of. Yeah, sad. you don't want to turn 30 in New Orleans. Actually, my friend did just that. Uh, it's, it might be good. You know, they're like, this is my last hurrah, kind of. Yeah. I, I hope that's not true of me when I turn 30, because that will mean... I mean, I've got a lot of Mardi Gras to look forward to, but I'll be yeah. 30 before the next one. Now that you went to Mardi Gras, you're, like, locked. You're, like, <laughs> you're like one of those dudes who goes to Burning Man. You're just like, every year now, bro. Because I'm going to Burning Man for the first time this summer, too. And really? I know that's probably going to be me. Like, I'm going to have the best time. And be like, dude, it's all about the burn, man. we got to go every year. I really wanted to go to Mardi Gras. Um, it just, it just didn't happen this year. Every year, though, like I'm like, oh, I gotta do it. But I've had friends who live there, and they're like, don't even come for Mardi Gras. Come for like the week before. Uh-huh. Just apparently, it gets so ridiculous with the amount of people that. Yeah, we were there for a few days before, so we went to okay. some of the other. You got the, parades. the lead up. Yeah, but I still think it was worth being there for Mardi Gras. I mean, you you, you kind of have to. Yeah, you uh, have to do it. I mean, Mardi Gras is all day, so. We were we, we like went to Bourbon Street a little bit in the afternoon, and then we we wound up back at Bourbon Street to see when they had like the horses come through at midnight right. to kick everybody up the street. That's awesome. But like we spent most of the day not not there. Right, know? right, There's right. There's still a lot of people. You around. can probably only take so much of Bourbon Street. Right. We just kind of glimpsed it for like we like walked down it, and it was like okay, I get what this yeah. is. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, I mean, I could talk about New Orleans all day because my favorite place in the world, but. Uh, like people think of Bur- Bourbon Street as like Mardi Gras party, but it's right. kind of to to a lesser degree. It's like that all the time, every night. Oh yeah, you can tell. It's like yeah. Um, someone told me they were like, you know, they power wash the streets with Lysol, and I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's real funny. And then like three hours later, we were like <laughs> drunk and saw them power washing the streets with Lysol. I was like, dear God, yeah. the legends are true. <laughs> it's literally like. A toilet. That yeah, that's that's what they're doing. It's oh, like they're power washing it with strong chemicals. I was warned. My, my girlfriend and I were warned by the uh, locals, friends of ours that we were staying with, um, to buy a pair of cheap shoes to wear on Mardi Gras day and throw them Did away you? at the end of the day. I, I ended up keeping them because uh, I guess I didn't spend as much time. Were they disgusting? Wading through vomit. They weren't as disgusting as they could have been. But I did buy some some cheap shoes. I am out of my purpose. elements. I've not, I've not <laughs> been to Mardi Gras. I don't have a great... I, I, I really want to go to New Orleans, but I've never been. But I, I don't want to go during Mardi Gras. That's not really my scene. And then uh, Burning Man, I don't have... I don't think I'd fit in. If there is a festival for like quiet like well-dressed people to quietly talk about things over coffee <laughs> isn't there ted isn't that what ted yeah, is yeah the ted conference you can go to that yeah but i also don't want to like have to be somewhere on time that's the other <laughs> okay. thing just you know but you yeah, missed the whole robotics conference ah <laughs> oh, well whatever but yeah i can't be the burning man guy about mardi gras because i already as tyler uh suggested already kind of am that about comic-con yeah right so, i've I, never I, been to comic-con i live with a bunch of like uh like some hardcore comic book enthusiasts uh-huh. um they always go and i don't know i feel like Mardi Gras is a lot more of my scene like i think i'd have fun at comic-con but like i like comic books and movies but i don't think i'm enough of like a nerd that it's like is- like my roommates are just like you know they're like i gotta see this panel with this yeah. guy from he wrote this episode it's like i enjoy it but i'm, I'm not like that like but, drinking all day sounds way yeah, more fun. Well, to me. at, at ah, this point, you it, could go to Comic Con and just drink all having day. A pass, you, you can just never, party. You never go into the convention center. And it seems really fun. Time. I want to go. So well, it's it's 
having not been to Mardi Gras, it seems like it'd be a lot like Mardi Gras because you're drunk all the time. Costumes. Costumes. Tons of costumes. Yeah. Scantily clad women. Uh, very much surprisingly so. It's just yeah. like there's yeah. kids around. Yeah, yeah. take it easy, yeah. lady. <laughs> yes, we all liked Carrie Fisher and uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. but Slave Leia is one thing, but ma'am. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, I mean, uh, okay, well, this will be the last of, but of the maybe. We'll see. Um, th- there are more people at Mardi Gras, but. It's the whole city, yeah. You know, whereas Comic Con is, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in like five square blocks, right? So a citywide it, party does seem like a fascinating concept. It is, and but the thing is, New Orleans is like that all the time, anyway. <laughs> so I can't of, even yeah. imagine Mardi Gras. Is just I've heard that just physically moving around is almost impossible. Just the amount of it bodies on where, oh. where you are. I mean, like th- that would that would kind of like that that might be like not fun just being in that crush of humanity and you're like please all i want is another beer i can't move but then that's the thing you can walk a couple blocks right and yeah exactly i mean i was there on just i mean it was uh it was in uh february and you know it was just a random weekend but it was everyone's partying it's like uh-huh. it's just a non-stop party and it's it was it was like Vegas in the way that people come there specifically to get really fucked up, uh-huh. but it was like so much better than Vegas. Cause I've been to Vegas like a ton of times cause I went to college out here and that was always like a go-to thing. It's just like Vegas is horrible compared to New Orleans. <laughs> cause New Orleans is like, it's a, it's an adult playground like Vegas, but it's not manufactured. You know, yeah. Vegas yeah. is that weird, like I'm kind of having fun, but this is also really depressing. <laughs> like, I don't really like this. New Orleans is just like the culture and the food and the history and just like, like they've arrived at this point of debauchery through like an authentic, awesome journey <laughs> right, that like yes. I want to learn about and be a part of. Vegas <laughs> is just like, ah, okay, drink this giant plastic drink that's a yard long and try to have some fucking fun. It's it does seem a bit more organic in New Orleans. Like, it's like, oh, it's so humid. Let's just get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it. Uh, I think a lot of like. The South heavy drinking just stems from how hot it is. Like all we can do is sit on a porch and drink bourbon. We literally can't do anything else. Now, okay, you mentioned going to college uh, out here. So let me go back. Where, where are you from initially? I grew up in Philadelphia. Okay, uh, right outside the city on the main line, which is one of the oldest suburbs in the country. Um, and then I, I just kind of was all about moving to California when I was eighteen. I don't really remember like. I went on a backpacking trip in Northern California when I was 16. Um, it was up in like Marin County in Humboldt. And then we went into San Fran, like did some mountain biking and we went to Alcatraz and that was my first time in California. And I was just kind of like, it clicked mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I hadn't even seen Southern California. I was just like, whatever this is, you know, we went to in and out burger. I was like, sign me up. This is great. <laughs> so then, you know, when a couple of years later, when it came time for colleges, I think I had never been to LA and I somehow decided on USC because I, w- I wanted to be in a theater program and I mm-hmm. wanted to get away from the East Coast. And then when I went there and visited, I was like, wow, this is fucking, this is fantastic. It's just palm trees, attractive women. Like, what is, <laughs> what is the downside to this? So, you know, my parents weren't totally enthused that I wanted to move to California. Well, were you doing comedy in Philadelphia or did you start? No, here? I was like really into theater in high okay. school. Um, and, you know, when it came time for college, it was like, I don't really like doing anything else. I was like, I'll be a theater major. Um, you know, in high school, I thought I was like a theater nerd, you know, like uh-huh. I did a lot of theater. I really enjoyed it. Been, some of the shows you did, you know, like Godspell okay. into the woods, all the, we do one, uh, drama or comedy and then one musical a year. That yeah. was like the thing. So each year you'd be in a musical and like an, a regular play. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Like, you know, Brigadoon, oh, like those kind of plays. Uh, we did, we did Brigadoon. Yeah, exactly. High Classic high school stuff. Um, 
but then when I got to USC, I realized like I was dealing with a whole, like the theater kids there. It was just like, whoa, like I am not, I'm like a dabbler. Like these kids are wearing like eyeshadow to parties. And like, I was just like, whoa, I can't hang out with these kids. This is not my crew. There was, I'm sorry to interrupt. There was a, yeah, there does seem to be a bit of a change when you get to college. Cause I, I did theater in high school and then I studied film in college, but there was a time I was like, I miss acting. I'm going to go, you know what, I'm going to audition for something in the theater. Department. Right. So I, I did, and then I got called back. But during the callback, like, they did a they did a thing. It was like, okay, we're going to war, we're going to, let's do a warm Right, you did, like, let's do some theater games, guys. Uh, let's do a little zip, zap, zap. Yeah, and it's one of those things, it's like, okay, uh, these warm-up things are incredibly uncomfortable. I've never liked them. You all clearly already know each other. Right. I'm totally outside <laughs> Say a descriptive word and then your name, and then we'll all learn each other's names. <laughs> oh, I wish it was that, but it's all like physicality. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, you all have to act like a different monster. Yeah. It's like, oh, you well, kidding I, me? I, went, I was a BA, so there was the BFA program, which was like mm. very intensive. I was a BA, which was great, because I could take the theater requirement courses, which were... A lot of them were like that, just like we're a lot of you know a lot of acting classes bullshit. I mean, some teachers were good, but a lot of time would be like, pretend you're a tiger. Now we go through the life cycle of a tree. You're like, what are we even doing here? Like this is ridiculous. But it was awesome because uh, because I was a BA, I also could take all these other cl- like I took a Beatles class, uh, I took a classic rock that class. They were both BA ta- or twoies. <laughs> Like about the bugs, no 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 about Beatles, the band or about the band. It, okay. the same guy taught a classic rock class and a Beatles class. He was like this old burned out hippie named Mister Beersock, and like they were the most fun classes. We literally went through every Beatles album, like you know, consecutively and just learning about every song and, and then what learning was all the this classic, stuff. Well, you said classic classic rock? rock class was just him just kind of talking about the sixties <laughs> and you know going through these seminal sixties. It was super interesting. You know, I was really into classic rock. I was a big stoner. You know this, and then I. I from that I got really interested. I took a bunch of like roots of American music, which was a lot more serious and talking about the confluence of different cultures. You know, we learned a lot about New Orleans, like mm-hmm. the birth of jazz. It's fascinating stuff. You know, I love yeah. music and I love learning about like the roots of you know the way that American music kind of came together. It was this big melting pot of all these different cultures. So I mean, I had a great time in college. I was like. <laughs> It's so easy when you're a theater major. You're like, a couple acting classes, like, do, do my writing class where I write a paper about The Simpsons. Like, this is great. <laughs> were, you, uh, were you living at USC in the dorm? Yeah. I, I feel like freshman year, everyone lives on campus, and then mm-hmm. you, you move off. But I lived right around there. I, I lived right by the Shrine Auditorium, which was right there. And then junior and senior year, we got a house. It was just like eight dudes and just... A, non-stop just the grossest looking back like we were living in squalor like we would we would just let our garbage collect in the foyer um just in the front hall of the house uh-huh. just let our garbage collect and then it was just piles of garbage we would shove it into the shopping cart that we'd stolen from the ralph's which is right across the street and just push it into our yard and just light it on fire <laughs> and that was how we were like well time for the uh, time for the cart burning looks like it's getting pretty gross in here throw everything in the so cart burn it on our lawn and mowing the lawn yeah we were just time. instead oh, of is the word instead of really watering like. all the plants out front we were like oh we, we, we these plants keep turning brown like we have to keep what we just spray painted them gold <laughs> so we just had all these gold trees and bushes that it, it worked they didn't die i think the gold paint preserved them so we put a tire swing on our palm tree we would just routinely have like crossbow and throwing knives session outside we were living like an adolescent paradise it was fantastic it was so fun so tell me all right tell me about getting into comedy then well i have to assume it started with having a teacher named 
Beer sock. He drew a beer on the board, and then he drew a sock on the board. And he's like, beer sock. Learn it. Love it. Know it. He was, might... he was a character. We smoked weed after class several times. Oh, I could see that, yeah. When you, I guess when you have that name, you have to have a good sense of humor about You yourself. know, when you're in college, like, yo, we got to smoke with the teacher. This is going to be great. <laughs> um, as for comedy... Um, you know, I'd do like improv stuff in college and we'd, I, you know, there'd be like an improv class and you'd do improv in a lot of the acting classes. And I always liked that. I had done that like, you know, um, in high school and stuff. So I knew I kind of liked that, but I didn't really know about long form improv till after college. I started taking classes at UCB and it was like, oh, there's like this whole other world of improv that's not like what you see on whose line is it anyway. And then I like that stuff, but that stuff's not like substantial, you know, that's like what you do for warmups. Then learning about the long form stuff at UCB, it was like, Oh, this is like a thing. And you learn about like Del Close and second city and, you know, just the kind of the basis of where this all came from. So I was doing a lot of improv right after college. And, uh, I always knew I wanted to do stand up. Um, I had friends that would do stand up in college and, you know, it was just something I, you know, I'd been into stand up since it, like I was a kid. I always loved Seinfeld and George Carlin and Bill Cosby. So I think in the back of my mind, I always kind of knew I wanted to do it. But I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't have the balls in college. Like it takes like a, it takes a lot to be like, I'm going to get up on stage and do it. So like I'd be writing stuff in college and I'd be like, kind of knowing that someday down the line I was going to do this. But, you know, I was just lazy. I was a procrastinator. <laughs> After college, I went to Southeast Asia for like four or five months and just like backpack around um and then when i came back i was like well you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do this i'm yeah. i should start and fortuitously right when i moved back to la um i heard about this stand-up comedy contest that was taking place at usc that was open to uh, recent alumni and current students and it was like three weeks away and i was like oh man like i better start so <laughs> with that in mind as a goal i immediately started performing at open mics um i would do as many open mics as i could and then three weeks later it was this contest you know that i auditioned and you know i was with a bunch of people that i knew like nick rutherford who's in my grade he's a comic and this guy adam ray who's a comic now and it was it was awesome it was like 600 people it was in the big auditorium at usc uh -huh. and like everyone killed like there were kids doing stand-up for the first time that night who were like killing like the crowd was just you know it was just a bunch of kids who were there to laugh so that was kind of a, a really cool starting point. It was How just like, oh. How was that? Um, this was in February of 2007. Because I remember okay. I started, the first time I got on stage at an open mic was January 7, 2007. Because I remember 1707. Um, and then, yeah, the contest was like shortly after. Um, and it was, it was great. And I remember thinking like, savor this. Because you're not going to perform for 600 <laughs> people who are into it for like a long time and that ended up being true but after that it was just i was really into it and i was doing improv um classes at ucb and i was in like an outside group at that was performing around town and i was doing stand-up then i started a show in westwood at this little black box theater um and then it just kind of came down to i was getting really busy with both and just kind of came down to which one i wanted to do more and stand-up and I never look back. <laughs> I, I mean, improv is really fun and I, I sometimes miss it, but it's, it's like a whole different satisfaction. Like when you're on stage with a group and you're all, you know, it feels like you're of one mind. Like that's really cool. There's no I in team. Whereas, exactly. Like, a, well, there's not one in stand. -up. And I still love watching like great improv teams like those, that, those guys convoy at UCB. And it's like masterful when you see it done mm -hmm. really well. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, 
it's really hard. Like, you know, you have to rehearse nights with your team and everyone can't do this night. And it's just, stand up's just you, you know? So right. it's, it's easier in that respect. Um, it's also, you know, more selfish and more like instant <laughs> gratification. Like, it's all about me, damn it. I don't have anyone else jumping in and being funny just when I'm getting funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, uh, to bring to, to, to bring the conversation toward movies, that's kind of how I think I, as a, as a, like a loner kid, came to like movies is because I didn't want to do stuff with people. And I right. think if I'm going to do stuff with people, how about something where you're not allowed to talk to each other or look at each other? And uh, I think that's kind of what I think my, my, my general misanthropy uh I feel like I knew a lot of kids like that because, you know, you'd work with the uh, film school kids. You'd do, like, student films, and there were classes where it was film kids and theater kids together, like, making uh, shorts. There was a lot of misanthropic film kids. <laughs> just like, look at this film major with his, you know, his taxi driver poster. and You would think those two groups would go well together. No, they no, they don't at all. One this. is incredibly enthusiastic and just over the top, and the other right. is like, look, let's just get this done, all right? <laughs> so, well, I've got uh, brooding to do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk movies were you as someone who wanted to be an actor were you into movies uh, as a kid yeah i mean i i don't know like what kid isn't into movies Uh, it'd be weird if someone's just like no i don't care for it (laughs) it's like when you meet someone who's like no i'm not really into music it's like what are you talking are you a serial killer like what are you i mean yeah growing up i uh yeah, I think actually, I was like I, I, I want to say I, I had a, I had a, a girlfriend once who was not into movies. It's just we were it's watching. disconcerting. It's like <laughs> oh, I watch whatever's on. It's like what are you insane? I have. A, so I, I thought I was still young at that time. I thought I could like. Well, I'm going to show her. Right. You know, I'll open her eyes to the rich wealth of cinema. Yeah, but then I think we were watching like Girls Point Blank, and she didn't even know who Dan Aykroyd was, and I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is immediate, immediately <laughs> done, <laughs> immediate red flag. Not even going to try. I, I had a friend who introduced me to his uh, wife, and she was nice enough and she and she was very friendly but um so i said like so do you enjoy, you know i'm trying to bring it back to what i know and that's really all i can do and uh so you know do you do you enjoy movies i do a movie podcast do you enjoy it? she's like I, you know what i really i just i haven't seen very many and i really i just don't like them that i don't much. Get- and, and immediately i'm just like i've run out of things to say. <laughs> yeah we're done here <laughs> it's just weird i mean i guess some people i don't know but what did you like as a kid Growing up, I was firmly into action movies, like any red-blooded 13 to 15-year-old. Uh, I remember The Rock being very seminal. I remember when GoldenEye came out, you know, I had the video game on N64, and I'm really into Bond, super into Bond movies, and I think that GoldenEye was such a good reboot. Like, that first one with Brosnan uh-huh. was so good. No. The later Brosnan one's pretty bad, but uh, I remember going to see it on my... Uh, I don't know what birthday it was, maybe 15th or 16th. When did that come out? 97? No, Golden Goldeneye was, was like 96, 97. Okay. 95. Yeah, totally so remember. in 93, I was 10. So yeah, I was like 12, 13, 14. Um, Commando somehow became me and my friend's favorite movie. I've seen Commando more than any other movie ever. I've probably seen it over 150 times. We would rent <laughs> Commando from West Coast Video, which is a local video store, every weekend. And watch it like 10 times. I don't know how we glommed on a commando. I think we, we would just walk around the video store and look at the covers of movies. And I think just commando with Schwarzenegger with that rocket launcher and the face uh-huh. paint. We were just like, yeah, this is amazing. And somehow we just became obsessed with that movie. I know it's, it's been talked about, but that movie is insane. It's the, like, it's the best action movie. Like, it hits every action movie trope dead on the head. Like, glory lines. You can't beat the glory lines in that movie. Well, like, okay, remember when, you, when I said I was going to kill yes. you last? 
I lied. He's just like so many. Um, he kills the really dude on the plane and then covers him with a blanket. He's and he's like, "Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired." Just like, ah, so good. He like impales Bill Duke with the leg of a yes. chair, and then yes. he's like, "We'll take his car. He won't need it." Exactly. Like yeah, Bill Duke comes in. This Green Beret is gonna kick your ass. He's just like, "I eat Green Berets for breakfast." So good. So good. And then I think he throws. He throws a pipe. So much of what I'm about to say is silly, but I still love it. He throws the pipe through the the main villain who's Bennett. wearing chainmail. Exactly, who's wearing chainmail. Which in itself is strange. <laughs> Which in itself is ridiculous. And gloves. Like short sleeves, chainmail, yep. Chainmail wife beater <laughs> yeah. over a black t-shirt. And gloves. Mm-hmm. And so he throws the pipe through him into another pipe behind him. <laughs> into a st- boiler. Into a boiler, that's right. Yep. Yes. And the steam comes out, and then I think he says, like, blow off some steam. Let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> so perfect. Before all, all of this... At the beginning of the movie, he carries an entire fucking tree. Yes, on his the beginning shoulder. of the movie is the best, by the way, Isn't because that like the first shot. We yeah, see the of first him? shot is him. He's in his mountain cabin. He's he's left behind the life of of command of John Matrix, uh-huh. elite commando, and he's living with his daughter. And uh, it, they try to make it foreboding for a second. Um, like they show the, the the daughter, and then it's like someone's coming up behind her. But then it's just Arnold, her dad, and they like hug, and then they're like sharing ice cream and like feeding deer. It's the best. You're like, oh, his life is so good. This is so good. Then of course the helicopter shows up, and it's like Matrix, we need you for one more job. It's like I'm out. Like every trope is so perfect. Just like I'm out of the game. I don't do that anymore. We need. And then of course his daughter gets kidnapped, so it becomes the ultimate getting back a kidnapped and i love those movies like taken i'm a huge fan of taken i love those movies where you know you mess with the wrong guy and you mess with his family and then it's over for you so were you a charles bronson fan in the yes 80s? i loved bronson my dad was really into like older world war ii movies so he showed me dirty dozen mm. which is now one of my favorite movies he showed me like das boot mm. you know guns of navarone and it was always kind of like dad like I don't want to watch this, you know, because when you're young, you're like, whatever your parents say is totally uncool. Uh But, like, he had good taste, you know, like, Great Escape, you know, Steve McQueen. You know, now I love those movies, and they're classic. As a kid, it was like, Dad, this is boring. But then you kind of started like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, you got Telly Savalas, like, blowing dudes away, and, like, Bronson. Like, I like this. This is good. Yeah, Great Escape is, I think... In some ways, I think works well as a kids' movie. I think it's a fantastic. I think Dirty Dozen is one of my favorite. I mean, I love classic World War II movies. Now, I, I'm real. My dad's like a history teacher. My brother's a history major. We're like really into like Civil War, World War II stuff. We talk about that a lot at the dinner table. So, just cool World War II movies were always like very big. Um, I, uh, you, you were into action at a young age, and I, of course, like most boys was to a certain extent but uh, i've told the story in the podcast before i actually got into a fight at the bus stop once oh wow because i liked comedies that's than movie street movies. cred right there yeah. <laughs> i will throw down at a bus stop yeah the, the like cool kid in the neighborhood was making fun of me because his dad he, he had the type of dad who would let him see r-rated movies i had very strict that's catholic, awesome strict catholic parents who you know i didn't wasn't allowed to see anything and so i was drawn to comedies also i'm a comedy nerd uh and so he was making fun of me it's the only fight I've ever been in my life because he was making fun of me because I liked comedies uh, and he liked Terminator 2 or whatever. And so I shoved him. That's and awesome. He, he, and he fell over. He tripped over his backpack, fell over. He popped back up and hit me, just punched me right in the Dead face. Dead in the face. And then the bus showed up. It's so great you got into a genre scuffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the ultimate movie nerd. Like, I stood up for my ideals that day. <laughs> uh, but I liked, uh, to me, the the sort of 
uh, intersection, uh, at least to my mind, of action and comedy was Bruce Willis yes. at that age because I uh, I loved and still love Die Hard. I mean, you say Die Hard's seminal movie. It's and I've just like with you with Commando. I'm sure I've seen Die Hard at least a hundred times. I've seen Die Hard a lot, not as much as Commando. I haven't seen anything as much as Commando, but <laughs> Die Hard we watch every Christmas. It's my uh-huh. go-to Christmas movie. Um, it's such a good movie. Every time you watch it, it's just like oh, everything is so good. And I think Die Hard as a trilogy. The first three Die Hard movies, I think that's one of the strongest trilogies there is. What movie is that good three times in a row? <laughs> oh, I think Bruce Willis makes it, because I actually have some problems with the second one. I think it's a little... I mean, low. yeah, the first one's really good. The second one's like, okay. I mean, the, I think the third one with Samuel L. Jackson is really good. I like how they bring it back, like it's his brother who wants revenge. Mm-hmm. But overall, I can't think of another trilogy that remains that strong and... T- and doesn't f- completely fuck it up. I think the Bourne trilogy is pretty solid. Like I like the Bourne trilogy. Pretty, pretty I don't think it's as good as Die Hard. <laughs> well, no, it's it's a but very yeah, different kind. It of is thing. good. Yeah. I think that is a good trilogy but, for oh, sure. What, what what I was getting at with the Bruce Willis thing is that there, there's a movie, one of the many already movies that I snuck and found a way to see through friends or whatever. Color of Night. No, a movie that you cannot convince me. Birth to of a Nation. No. is bad. Because I loved it so much when I was a kid, and it's Hudson Hawk. Oh my god, I love Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I loved it. You and me are going to bond over this because I remember <laughs> watching it for the first time, and like, you know, there's that group of dudes. They're all named after candy bars. Uh-huh. It's like a ridiculous movie, but it's also like pretty good. It, yeah, it's I think a- I saw it at too too old of an age for me to. <laughs> Yeah, I was on board. I saw it at a young age. And yeah, the bad guy's trying to turn lead into gold with like Da Vinci's inventions. Yeah. The whole Da Vinci aspect and it's they're got, singing. They got the, it's weird, like, such a good movie. It's so weird. It's plot that like for a movie that has its, as bad a reputation as it does, it's a really complex plot. And I think then, people shit on that movie completely undeservedly. Uh, and I practically wore out the rewind button on the VCR when he <laughs> shoots the uh, tennis ball at the dog and oh, flies yeah. out the window of the castle. Oh, yeah. It's just so many good movies. The dude who has the butler with the knives, it's just like, that movie's out of control. Yeah. It's, it's great. I love that movie. I do remember when I first saw it, because I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, it's just such it's a It's weird. Film. It's really weird. It's, ins- it's insane. Like, how did that movie get made? Who wrote that script? Yeah. Like, and done. It's- and I wrote this. And then someone else said, like, I read your script. I'd like to give you millions of dollars. Yeah. I think it was like, was that like when Bruce Willis was just like crazy famous yeah, and he was releasing like was. music albums and we all look back on that now like yeah. Return of Bruno it's all quite silly but at the time it was like Willis could do no wrong I <laughs> yeah. think it was just yeah. part of that Willis mania uh, and I think the director of Heather's right Michael Lehman did he do uh, oh Hudson I don't Hawk? remember right. how long after Die Hard the original Die Hard was Hudson Hawk uh, I have no concept of that I, I, I will find out uh, as you was uh, Die Hard late 80s early 90s 88 88. So by nine, by early nineties, Wills is already huge. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you know? I, I know this is like common knowledge now, but I still find it weird. Like the the initial like posters for Die Hard didn't have Bruce Willis on them because at that point he was only known for moonlighting, and, and yeah. he was afraid that people would think it was romantic comedy or something. If, yeah. Right. If they saw his face, I think I've heard that. Hmm. All right. Golden Eye was ninety five, by the way. Okay. 95. Yeah. All right. Um, so that was my twelfth birthday. God, yeah. that movie's so good. I I do love it, and at one of our uh, writers for the website has been going through and like talking about the different eras of James Bond. I'm a huge Bond fan, and there's not a lot of the movies that I really like, but Goldeneye is the still first, very solid. The first four Connery ones are super strong. I really like those. I'm a big fan of the books, so I'm all about like mm-hmm. you know being a Fleming purist. Um, I think. 
Um, the second one where they got Lazenby could have been the best movie ever if they had if Connery had been in that one. Wait, wait, is that on her Majesty's, on her Majesty's Secret? Because that's the one that's like ex- that one cleaves exactly to the novel. Like it is, all, it is the closest it comes to just a shot by shot make of the book. Mm-hmm. And Lazenby's not bad. It's just like he he doesn't quite cut it. And if, I think if Connery had been in that movie, that would be the undisputed best Bond movie of all. Because it's so good. It's got like the mountaintop, Blofeld's escaping. From, it's, like, it's Is that the, the one with Robert Shaw? Um, the, like, I haven't seen it. but right, I, Hudson Hawk was 91. I got too much stuff to look at. Anyway, too much stuff. But Br- burn up the iPhone. Is he like the blonde assassin? Um, I think it's that one. I don't, know, I don't forget who plays Blofeld. Because Blofeld's been played by so many different dudes. Yeah. But the weird thing is, in that movie, Bond has to pretend to be this English heritage expert. Um, and Robert he, Shaw is in from Russia with Love. From Russia ah, with there we go. That's what it was. But the, but the weird part about it was he had to do a posh... Like, Bond is pretending to be this character to infiltrate Blofeld's fortress. And the character he's pretending to be is this posh, like, British kind of aristocratic dude who knows about, like, lineages and bloodlines. But they didn't think that Lazenby's posh British accent was good enough. So in the movie, the times when he's playing that character and doing the posh British accent, they overdub that. So it's weird. Like, it's a weird... Like, the times when he's speaking poshly in a British accent, that's not him speaking. They had someone else go back and redub it because they didn't think his posh British accent was good enough, which well, is really weird. Uh, let me well, I don't you. know if Connery would have been able to do a posh accent uh, either, but well, yeah. it would have made it work. I- I've never seen Never Say Never Again. That is an unofficial yeah, bond. It's the gonna, only non-canon oh, bond. Oh, I know. Um, it's a remake I, of I, Thunderball. What do you think of it? It's so weird to watch because Connery's crazy old. Like, he's so <laughs> old. Like, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, his last one, it's like, okay, he's kind of old. He's still kind of smooth. Like, he's still got the swagger. Like, Never Say Never Again, it's just like, this is completely bonkers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're 52. It's like four years away from the untouchables, it's right? Crazy. Like, it's yeah. crazy. It's so bad. I mean, it's not and like... And yet you like, uh, you like Taken with a 60-year-old uh, Liam Neeson. But Taken's, Taken's like... I don't know. I totally buy Liam Neeson and Taken because he's like a retired badass who has to get back in it to save his daughter. Like I, I don't. I'm not taken out of the story I, at all by Liam Neeson. I, I get the impression I could. I could write a movie that'd be right in your wheelhouse because he's I, a bad. Liam Neeson's I, I, a badass. Re- retired guy, kidnapped daughter. I even that's saw Mel Gibson's Edge of Darkness because I thought it was going to be like that. <laughs> that movie's so bad. Is it? I never saw. I there gave are parts it. Of it I like. I like Ray Winstone in it. But I, I, I like thought it was going to be like a. Re- I'm a huge like revenge movie fan, and it's just it. The, the greatest thing about Taken is that they commit so hard because the first 45 minutes, no no action happens, and they're just driving the point home about like, oh, you fucked up your family, but you still love them, but you love your daughter so much, but oh, they don't like you, and like they just drive that point home so much that. By the time it gets to like 50 minutes in and the movie turns, you're just like, here we go. And it just, it uh, turns so absolutely and it's so perfect. So, so speaking of Mel Gibson and revenge movies, do you, are you a fan of Payback? I like Payback. I remember seeing it as a kid and enjoying it. I haven't seen it in many years. I mean, yeah, I, I think I remember liking it, but I, it didn't I, blow me away. I'd say uh, give it another watch. It's, I mean, it's, it's surprisingly violent. It's got a good sense. Yeah, of I remember really. I remember enjoying it a lot, and I remember like Get Carter, same thing. Like I haven't seen the movie in years, but I remember the, seeing uh, it. The original or, or Sylvester Stallone? Oh, okay. Yeah. And being like, yeah, you know, okay, revenge <laughs> action. Like I was pretty easy to please when I was like fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> like I thought The Rock was like the best movie ever. So it's like you know, I was, yeah, I was know, pretty easy to th- please. There are plenty of people I know who still 
defend that movie. The I, Rock is great. I, As a pure I, action movie, it's fantastic. I watched it maybe two years ago, and I... It, uh, couldn't, couldn't handle it. No. It, oh, God. I, Ed I, Harris, I, it's so good. Ed Harris is why I like... He's is, so good. what I like about it. Him and, and Michael Bean for the short section that he's in. I love Michael Bean. But, like, it's... Uh, you know what? It's... I think I just love Connery. I think I'm, I'm unfairly biased because I, I love Connery so much. You just... He's so good. He's just like, Womack, why am I not surprised, you piece of shit? He gets so angry. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, I, could, t- okay. I have to assume that you just like just went absolutely insane when he when Connery deliv- delivers that fuck the prom queen line, right? Like, yeah. That line I like be- that. I, I don't know. It's I, kind I of dumb. Do they have the prom in scotland in 1950 yeah. or whatever he would have been i think prom's kind of a cultural touchstone of but that's any guy, western that's nation locked up yeah, uh, you're, for yeah, you're 40 right. years uh, i don't know that might be a little maybe too he doesn't know that. maybe prom queen means something different well there is they do do a funny joke about that when he comes out his hair is all long and uh-huh. he's getting the haircut and he's like oh, i like it. it's kind of like a grunge thing and then he's like <laughs> and then he's like what or something like that they make like a reference to grunge and has no idea what they're talking about uh that is a good movie. I will I will defend The Rock, even though I haven't seen it in a few years. And I, I'm a staunch and defender of The Rock. I rewatched it somewhat recently, and I I used to be a big defender of it. And it's just I don't like to use this phrase, but I feel like I have no choice. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, yeah, right. It's full of like characterizations I don't like that are just like way too broad. It's got like really dumb lines and dumber action. Yeah, but it's like that's what it is. It and is. for for what it is, which is a Pretty like dumb, Michael Bay kind film. of a dumb movie. It, you could do a lot worse. And for me, like an action movie is, it's not only as good as its villain, but if you've got a solid villain in and there. And it's awesome it because you kind of want him to win because he's yeah. like, he's an American hero whose back's been turned on him by the nation. Nobody <laughs> deserves that. Like, that's why it's cool because he's not, it's ambiguous. It's like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he, you know, he never yeah. intended to launch the VX gas. It's the yeah. other dude who's insane. You know, Hummel's like, I'm, I'm not going to launch the rocket. Like, what are we insane? It was a bluff and they called our bluff. You know, yeah. he, he was a good guy. But it's like Tony Todd and uh, who else is in, in there? Uh, it, well, is it um, William Forsythe who's the? There's crazy a bunch guy? of great character actors, yeah. um, especially yeah. in that crew. Like uh, you know, General Hummel is Ed Harris, and like his crew. There's some good, some good yeah. actors in that. It's a villain that I feel like, and I'm even reluctant to say the uh, vi- antagonist. He's an antagonist. He's right. not so much a villain, but like he's an antagonist that I feel like belongs in a better movie than that. I one. know. Like yeah, you're right. But, that idea is such a such a good idea. Like a soldier. He's like something out of a '70s action movie like played by bruce dern or something. that's kind of why i liked it. It, it that whole well i was like really into like navy seals when i was a kid so just the fact they had that like seal incursion and like like and i just love that like anything with navy seals like if, if active valor had come out when i was 15 like i would have died <laughs> i'd be like are you kidding me this movie has actual navy seals in it like i'm camping in the theater and that uh, scene i will uh, that i will defend the scene between stand down captain yeah, that is a that is a Michael powerful exchange like, it's emotionally intense he doesn't want to kill him but he has to yeah it's good stuff i said stand down captain yeah that's great <laughs> you're that's go, powerful you're stuff the movie oh my god yeah i wish i had that uh, what uh, um i how did michael bay at that point already get these great actors is, is that Jerry i don't Bruckheimer's think michael influence? bay had become like a parody of himself though but i'm saying at like, that point once his movies came he had to done like bad boys before that and yeah. i think that had made some money i, I think but i think it might just be the jerry bruckheimer oh yeah money too, right because if you look at yeah the cast of the rock the cast of armageddon is right nicholas cage was really great. famous then uh-huh. i think that's also a great role for nicholas cage just like it harnesses his weird overacting so well he's like i drive a volvo a beige one like he's just got so many good like <laughs> cageisms in that one like 
Oh god, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in that one. And it and it takes it takes his weirdness and over the top uh, acting, and it pairs him with the fact that when you really think about Nicolas Cage, he's kind of a he's kind of just nerdy. Exactly, and he ga- shouldn't be. Like, that's why Con Air was so weird. He's got the long hair. It's like I'm not buying any of this. And like Ghost Rider. Yeah, on. it's more it's more easily believable. He's like a nerdy chemist that gets thrown into this seal yeah. incursion and that he doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, and he's nervous. Uh, bringing it back to New Orleans, I think a movie that harnesses Nicolas Cage's weirdness better than almost anything else is Bad Lieutenant. Oh, which I didn't see. I saw oh, my it, God. Man, I that love is... that movie. Yeah. It's... I really think that's a good movie. Like, Herzog is so weird, and, like, Cage is so perfect for that over-the-top, insane character. Like 25 minutes of... Uh, Everything about that movie is weird and over-the-top. Even the title... Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Like, you yeah. named the movie that. <laughs> yeah, it just starts following that weird iguana for a while. Like, a that, movie is, that movie is gloriously weird, and I think it's really good. Uh, the, the best Nicolas Cage New Orleans movie, and I'm, by which I mean the worst, um, is a movie called Zandali. I don't know if you've heard Never of Never even it. heard of that. It's, it's Nicolas Cage and Judge Reinhold. I'm sold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and here's how Nicolas, What year is it from? Uh, 90, 91. Okay. I could look it up, but... Um, uh, it's it's like really like uh it's sort of steamy like skinamax type of like okay. erotic thing but it's like uh, basically Nicolas Cage uh, uh Judge Reinhold is like this rich New Orleans like lawyer and he's got this girlfriend and then Nicolas Cage is his old like high school friend who's an artist and right. comes back and then they're both in love with the same woman but here's how Nicolas Cage's character is introduced Judge Reinhold goes to his friend's bachelor party which is somehow in the middle of the afternoon so it's like right it's New Orleans yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then so it's in this like weird like brothel type thing and then down the hall there's like bright white light outside you see uh, a, a figure a silhouette figure with long hair right. and like a motorcycle jacket on right. and he walks and he's just in silhouette he walks and I, I, I've got to try and get this uh, across over the podcast he walks he stops in the middle, in the middle of the hall Leans down, puts his hand on his knees, and then just swings his hair around a few times, and then gets up and walks again. <laughs> so weird. And then he steps into the light, and it's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so weird. But like, have you ever seen that um, that uh, YouTube thing of like Nicolas Cage loses his shit? It's just like all clips yes, from different movies. Yes, I have. So there's it. one where he's covered in paint, and he's just that's going, that. Ah, that's that ah, one. Ah, ah. That's that's from Zandali. Wow. Uh, it, that, that's that's I think I'm gonna have to see best. that. Yeah, have you ever heard of a movie called Firebirds? It's like Top Gun but with helicopter pilots. Nicholas Cage is in it. It's a is really Tommy weird movie. I don't even remember. I I remember seeing it as a kid. I just remember Cage just being so weird. And you know it's interesting because he has the ability. He's in good to movies. Be very subtle. Like he's in a film Leaving Las Vegas, love. Raising Arizona. Have you seen one called Red Rock West? No. Oh, it's great movie wonderful it's yeah. kind of like a film noir but like in a small town kind of thing and he's like very quiet very subdued and he does seem kind of like a genuine badass in it yeah, yeah. And, and that's because dennis hopper is in red rock west in the nicholas cage role yeah yeah <laughs> like in yeah if they remade it nicholas cage would play lyle from dallas that's right i mean nicholas cage is sort of the successor to dennis hopper in a lot of ways yeah uh, except he never had the real subtle part of his career like <laughs> Dennis Hopper at least had like his nice quiet role in Giant and stuff like that. Right, right. And then he went crazy. Yeah. They do seem like in real life they were both like crazy dudes. <laughs> yeah. You knew Hopper was just a fucking crazy yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Red Rock West, uh, you, Carl, and everybody at home, check that out. It's Nicholas Cage, uh, Laura Flynn Boyle, J.T. Walsh, Dennis Hopper, Dwight Yoakam. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sounds good. I like Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. And it's uh, from the director of Rounders and The Last I love Rounders, movie. man. Rounders is a good movie. And then you know what else he directed that 
Tyler and I both love that is an underrated film is Joyride with Paul Walker and Steve Zahn and Lily Sobieski. I don't think I've seen that. It's it's I love it. It's, it's really so, great. It's so perfect. It's, when did, it's it, when did those, it come out? Like 2002, 2002, yeah. Uh, and uh. the the bad guy you never see his face, but his voice is Ted Levine, James yeah. okay. Gum from uh, okay. from Sounds. I love Steve Zahn. I'm uh, back to New Orleans again. Treme. Oh yeah. The second season of Treme, I think, is amazing, yeah. and Zahn is so good in that. Oh, by the way, I, you'll, oh, this will be only for you and other people who watch the second season of Tremay. But I'll just the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the older Japanese guitar player who replaced uh, Sonny in yes. Antoine's band, I saw him on Martin. Yeah, all those dudes are real. I mean, that's why that show's so cool. It's just like all real New Orleans musicians. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that dude Kermit, who's like the one. Yeah, guy. I saw him my first trip. That's there. so awesome. Ah, New Orleans, can't wait to go. <laughs> I'm going March seventh, so I'm super excited. Hey, that's when I'm going to New Zealand. I guess Are you? I'll be there Orleans, by the time. New yeah. Zealand. Have you been there before? No, I haven't. I heard it's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited. You can do a Lord of the Rings tour? Uh, not the whole tour, but there is uh, one section when uh, my wife and I will be driving for about three hours from one place to another, and in between is uh, Hobbiton, so we'll probably nice. pull over. And I'm get, excited for The Hobbit. I'm yeah. really excited for that. There's not that many movies I'm like super excited for. Are you excited for Skyfall? I'm so excited for Skyfall. Javier Bardem is the bad guy. I think is an amazing choice because I love No Country for Old Men. I'm a big Cormac McCarthy fan. Um, I didn't think the road, like the road, wasn't a bad movie. It was just like they didn't, you know, they didn't didn't get it. But yeah, like the book's like crazy bleak, and they did like a pretty good job. But I think No Country for Old Men they did like such a good job, like capturing the essence of the book. And you know, obviously Coen Brothers, they're fantastic. Um, they weren't going to do it wrong, but I love that movie. But and do you think Sam Mendes has it in him to make a good action? I don't know, but I I I think it's going to be interesting. I at first when Casino Royale was so good, I was like, just keep that same director. But I guess they want to have a new guy every time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and Casino Royale directed by the same guy that did Goldeneye. Yeah, and so like, and I love Goldeneye. He's done it before. Casino Royale. So why not just keep him? Like those two succeeded. reboots of the franchise are like. So good, like Casino Royale. I thought just hit the nail on the head so hard. Like the second one, the best Quantum of Solace was like it was really just part two of Casino Royale. So I think Skyfall is going to be the actual second Daniel Craig Bond movie. So that's why I have such high hopes for it. And I don't know if you guys saw it was just announced today. It will be the first Bond movie released in IMAX. Oh, oh. wow! Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, Ray Fiennes is going to be in it. Who I I like Ray Fiennes a lot. Um, they're bringing back Money Penny. I think that's super cool idea. Um, yeah, and Craig, I'm a huge fan of. You know, there was a whole controversy when he was first picked, and I was just like, I'm not going to dive in. I'm, I'm going to see. Because I think the original um, imagining of Bond in the books is, like, he is kind of like a thug. Like, Fleming calls him, like, a blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. And I just think the opening sequences of Casino Royale like, captured that so well. Like, yeah, he's kind of suave, but he's also, like, he's, like, a tough dude. Like, he's not a dude you want to fuck around with. Like, he'll, like, kill you. You know? He's, like, kind of a thug, almost. I like that it's, it starts with, and I didn't see Quantum of Solace. I hear it's really not that great. It's, but No, you know what? I, I'll defend Quantum of Solace. You like it? It's good. All right. Um, it, it's kind of like a... It's really hard to stand up to the Casino Royale because it was just such a well-done yeah. movie. But the thing is, it's, a, it's really... Those two together are one movie because it, it picks up literally five minutes after Casino, yeah. the action in Casino Royale. So it's 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 kind of like a sequel. It's just like that storyline is done after Quantum of Solace. So is together the, they're one movie. Uh, you're the Bond fan. Is it the only time they've done that? Yeah, I mean, um, when they were first starting out, they had all the novels to draw from. Uh-huh. 
Um, now they've gone back to that. I mean, Casino Royale obviously is a novel and, um, it's, I mean, they don't go super close to the book, but it is about that. He's at a casino trying to out gamble this guy. Um, but you know, Quantum of Solace isn't based on any of the books. And from here on out, they're not going to be basing it on books because mm-hmm. all the books have been used. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, from now on out, it's just like, hopefully they can think of some good original ideas because <laughs> Brazen started jumping the shark real hard there in those last couple of Brazen ones. And it's like, it wasn't, they were bad. It was just like, they just lost sight of what Bond was. And it was just like, it's not supposed to be gadgets and him surfing a wave. And like, like, I, I think it was just in the Brosnan era, they just got to the point where they, they thought they had to keep topping themselves and making it more ridiculous. And no, you gotta, you gotta get back to the basics, you know, you gotta get back to Bond just you, being a badass. We talked about the, 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 the Bourne movies. I mean, I think it's sort of the conventional wisdom is that the Casino Royale was what it was because the Bourne movies came along and kind of altered what people yes, expected. I think uh, somewhere along the line, Bond became a lot about the gadgets. That was never really in the books. The I gadgets mean, and the little one-liners, and they did away yeah. with most of those in Casino Royale. Well, that's what's interesting about Bond. Like, it's the longest-running film franchise ever, so you can look at the different eras as reflections of the, you know, like the 70s ones with Roger Moore started getting, like, tongue-in-cheek and kind of wacky. Uh, they brought in that southern sheriff. Yeah. There's a there's a series of articles yeah. about this very thing. Yeah, he goes by a by, decade. And by our writer, Kyle. Yeah, you know, they brought in J.W. Pepper, the wacky Southern sheriff. It's like, why, why pair? Like, you know what Bond needs? He's suave, but he needs a foil. A wacky Southern sheriff. Like, that whole thing was just... And Jackie Gleason doesn't seem willing to do it, so we'll find someone that's like Jackie Gleason, <laughs> yeah. Smokey in the band. And then Bourne came along, and they were stripped down, and it was, like, more realistic, and people really responded to that, because it's badass. It's like, that's what you want to see. You want to see, like, realistic action, not, like, over-the-top watch lasers and... You know, stupid mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you know, it's people beating each other up with magazines. Exactly, and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's like in the first two scenes, the whole thing is like to get double O status, license to kill, you need to have two kills. So that's in the book, and they utilize that really well in the beginning of Casino Royale because the first scene is uh, like he he's sent to kill this dude. And then uh, the guy's like, "Well, I know you're not gonna. I know M's not gonna kill me because if she was, she would have sent a double O." Uh-huh. And then he's like, "And your file shows no kills." And then Bond has the flashback of the first dude he killed, which was like a brutal knockdown dragout fight in a men's room where he's just bashing the dude's head and breaking a urine. So that's like the brutal side. And then and then the guy's like, uh, he, "Bond's mentioned something about the one kill," and the guy goes, "Well, the second one is." And then Bond just shoots him in the forehead and he goes, easier. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, so you get that suave ass one-liner aspect too. It's just like, that's the perfect duality of Bond. Like that suave one-liner, but also he'll brutalize a guy in the bathroom and kill him with his bare hands. And that's what I like about this incarnation of Bond is like, they really do show like, ha- like him just acquiring the things that we know, like the Aston Martin. Exactly. And then like Martini shaking her stirred. I don't care. Exactly. But then like, Oh, you're going to care. And he starts off as the thug, but I think he, over the course of however many movies they're going to make, he will come to realize like, I need to be a bit more debonair if I'm going to exactly. fit in with the people that I'm trying to catch. And so he will become the more suave guy. And, 
and they just do such a good job of him. His first instinct is just like, if I just kill this person, right. problem solved, right? But just like, no, you can't do that because then we... And they make jokes yeah. about that. In uh, Quantum of Solace, he like runs down this lead and you know, he, of course, ends up killing the guy immediately in his apartment. And then M's like, what about him? And he's like, that's a dead end. It's just like, <laughs> like I think he killed him. Like, yes, he did kill him. But I, I think you're right. That's a really good point. Like, at the end of Quantum of Solace... When he, he goes and finds that dude who portrayed Vesper, and then you know he throws the, the necklace in the snow to show that he's finally rid of his love for Vesper and he's moving on. It's just like, then he's Bond. Like, at the end of those two movies, he's James. That's, it's it's kind of like the Batman reboot. It's like, how did he get to be Batman? Like, yeah. we'll show you, and then boom, now he's Bond and he's ready to go on his adventure. And because they're going back and, and stripping them of everything that we know them to be, as they add in... The different elements it gives you, it makes you so much more excited. Like exactly, like, there it is. Like we're two episodes into this, this two episodes, two movies into this Batman thing, and there's only going to be three. But like, sadly, we, like we haven't seen the Batcave yet. Like, I know. I didn't even, I didn't even realize it. There's a whole other thing that I'm going to get to see. That's why I'm terrified of Dark Knight Rises because like yeah. I'm, I have so much hope riding on this movie because like know, exactly. you know Batman Begins was so good. Um, like I, I felt like they nailed Batman. I'm a yeah. huge Batman fan and. It was just like a mate. It was like yes, yes. They did it exactly right. Then you know, Dark Knight. It was just like, oh my god, like this is so good. Uh-huh. So the third one, I mean, I think the expectations might almost be too much because it's like it's not going to be crazy better than the Dark Knight. I mean, right? It can't really be. I do think then, that uh, because Heath Ledger's not around anymore, yeah. and they know that the Joker's not going to be in it. Yeah. I think people, maybe. I hope people. Are sort of modulating their right. expectations. Obviously, the Heath, Le- the Heath Ledger factor was a, a big factor in yeah. why the Dark Knight was so momentous. But a part of my trepidation comes from the fact that I was not a big fan of Inception. I don't know if you. I really liked that. Inception. I mean, I was. I thought it was cool. It was well executed. I mean, it was a slick movie. I thought it was good. Slick is a good word for us. I mean, yeah, I, obviously. I, 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 honestly, I, w- I would disagree. I think. I think he's maybe a little too uh, sure of his own. Uh, intellectual worth and, and and crammed there's just too much talking in that movie and i would say at some points it's the opposite of slick like it takes a van <laughs> a fucking hour to fall off a bridge <laughs> i can I'm, see that i'm getting angry about the movie again yeah. i really liked it we have a whole episodes devoted to how much you don't like this movie, <laughs> yeah and i'm not a huge fan either. i mean i could see yeah i could see not liking it um yeah i enjoyed it i definitely liked inception but I, I avoided um the like uh, footage or trailers for Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I, I wanted to go see uh, what was it when you saw Ghost Protocol yeah, on IMAX. I, didn't see Ghost Protocol. I did. I wanted to see. It. I actually heard it's good, but yeah, I, I, well, part of me almost doesn't want to see that first six minutes because it's like then yeah. when I'm in the theater, I'll be like, oh, I already saw this. Yeah, but I did. I they did the same thing for Dark Knight. The bank robbery sequence was online. Oh, yeah. I watched it. I, I watched I it too, it. and yeah. I still loved so, it. So yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about actually going to see the Bane thing. I still want to see Ghost Protocol. The, the, I haven't been seeing a lot of movies. I saw. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I love. Uh, me too. Masterpiece, I think. Super, super good. I hope Gary Oldman wins the Oscar for that. Because the fact that Gary Oldman doesn't have an Oscar, like he's one of the best actors ever. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was like a masterpiece of a spy movie. And he's gone the opposite way of the Dennis Hopper thing. He's gone from being yeah. the like Sid yeah, because he used to be yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, The Professional is one of my favorite movies, yeah. and him in him as the bad guy in Professional is. That's one of the best bad guy performances ever. Yeah, I mean, I need to watch that again. That hands down, that's one of that's that movie's so fucking good. He was in a film that I think you would like. Actually, it's uh, it's uh, like an Irish uh, gangster movie, not gangster like the old time gangsters, like uh, modern gangsters, and it's got uh, 
Sean Penn is the lead, which I'm not a big Sean Penn fan, but he's pretty good in it. He's okay. And, and Ed Harris is in it. Oh, and, I love Ed Harris. Gary Oldman is in it, and I think it's called State of Grace. I don't remember who oh, wow. directed it. I'm going to have to look that up. But it's actually pretty good. And in that, Gary Oldman is the... He's sort of the Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. He's right. the unstable one. He used but to be like uns- the go-to guy yeah. for that. Yeah. Unstable Gary Oldman is quite a sight Air to Force see. One, like he was kind of a go-to uh, bad guy. Uh, true Romance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what else have you seen recently? Have you seen- so then I didn't see any movies for a long time, and I was like, I kind of want to see Sherlock Holmes. That's a whole other thing. I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan, and... I actually, I actually kind of enjoyed that first Robert Downey Jr. one. I love it. Um, I'm watching the BBC uh, series Sherlock, which oh. is amazing. No, I, I highly recommend it. To I'm anyone. not watching the second series yet because I'm. I've, I've I seen it. Break the law. It's super good. But it'll be it'll be on in May, I think. It's so good. There's an amazing reimagining of Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, they tackle Irene Adler, um, which is another amazing Sherlock story. But I yeah, only so saw then, the first season. Did they introduce maybe one of my. F- Various literary characters that I find fascinating for reasons that I don't totally understand. Um, one of them is Mycroft Holmes. I love Mycroft. I love Mycroft. I love Holmes. the and way in the totally... first season they make you think he's Moriarty when yeah. the car comes and uh, picks up Watson and it goes to that warehouse and he's like, "I'm." You might say I'm Sherlock's nemesis. Like they're setting it up that you're like, "Oh, this is Moriarty," uh-huh. yeah. and then it turns out it's Mo- I love the way they did that. That was so good. And and I was so excited to see what they would do with him in the second Sherlock Holmes film, which I like for the most part. Um, they do a great. Moriarty. Oh wait, you're talking about the movies. I mean, uh, yes. Oh, I'm talking it. about the series. But I saw the series as well, okay. and I like what they did with him in that. I like what they do with Moriarty in that. I like everything they have done. Yeah, the Moriarty character in the series is pretty amazing. I think. And it's such a. I could see some people being vaguely pissed off with what they did with Moriarty that they just make him. He's still brilliant, right? And he's still like you just hate him, right? But they just make him like just a guy, just right? Like a young, like a young guy. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, but. Isn't that well? I think you kind of have to have that because yeah, everyone's younger in it. I mean, obviously, um, Sherlock and Watson are younger than the previous reimaginings, like the famous uh, Jeremy Brent ones, like in the the nineties, which I love. Those are like classic Sherlock Holmes adventures. But you know, it's 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 the reboot. It's modern Sherlock. He should be a little younger. And yeah, and you can't have Moriarty. He's like an old dude. If Sherlock's like a like early thirties guy. And do they have you? I forget. Have you seen any of the second? I've series? seen yes. I've no, seen I them all. Don't yeah. I won't yeah. spoil it. Hasn't I was I was going to ask in the vaguest possible way. Do they do anything uh, cool with Mycroft in that? Yes, because uh, totally in the in the in the new Robert Downey Jr. movie. I haven't seen the new movie. I saw the first one. I thought I was going to hate it because I was like Sherlock shouldn't be having a gun. Yeah, like yeah. all this stuff. Because I'm like a. I'm a Conan Doyle purist, <laughs> but I actually enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, it is as 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 with the rock. It is what it is. But it was. I, I didn't hate it, and it was enjoyable. And you know, Robert Downey Jr. He's, the second one is not as good. Yeah, uh, that's what and, I heard. But I was excited that they are bringing in Mycroft, and he was going to be played by actor Stephen Fry. I thought I thought it was a great. Yeah, casting. I love Stephen and then Fry. They don't really do anything with him. Okay. It's really unfortunate. Mycroft is a cool character. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend watching season two of the BBC oh, post haste. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm going I'm to watch it when it airs because I like to. Okay, you're a, you're a, you're a law abiding citizen. Yeah, yeah. When, when that I, movie law abiding citizen, that wasn't very. good. I never saw that. <laughs> that looked pretty bad. I didn't see it either, but I had to say that. Yeah. Uh, so you, then the, I the saw. Time I uh, like watch stuff illegally. Uh, <clears throat> I hate when they don't release the DVDs of a previous season of a show until like three weeks yeah. before the next season starts. Yeah, that's that's not enough time. So. I will fully admit to having watched. I don't do a lot of uh, Good Wife to catch up. I, will, I watch uh, Game of Thrones online just because I don't have HBO anymore, and I love Game of Thrones. But uh, I, I don't. 
basically, I just watched what's on Netflix. Uh, I, I saw the first season of Sherlock on Netflix, and I was like in love with it. So I like you know went and sought out the second season online. But watching on your computer sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like doing it unless I really have to. Like Game of Thrones, I was like, I have to see these right now. I I, I fairly recent. I'm behind the curve for movie nerds, but I only fairly recently hooked up the Netflix to my television. Yeah, we've had that for like a year, and it's 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 a game changer because yeah. we don't have cable anymore. So it's like all I watch is Netflix, no commercials. And they're getting a lot better content. It used to be like, the what sheer are number these of movies? TV shows, like tons of great they, British like, shows. shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been watching. I just Cheers. watched Luther um, with Idris Elba. That. It's a really good show. It is really good. I'm big into cop stuff. I love like cop shows. The Shield is a uh, is a favorite. But yeah, I was gonna say I just saw Rampart two days ago. It's the only movie I've seen since Tinker Taylor. And it is great. I haven't seen it. Did you see it? It is no, but I want to. It is. I, I it's tend like, to like stuff about dude. Dirty Harrelson Paul. is so good. Like this movie, um, I I'm very interested because I live in Echo Park, and uh, you know the Rampart scandal is like was that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's this bar, the Shortstop, near my house. That's in Echo Park, very popular Echo Park bar, and it used to be a cop bar where all those Rampart dudes yeah. would hang out. And then like after the scandal in the '90s. Like, um, you know, some musician bought it and it became like, yeah, a hip bar, but like there's still like bullet holes in the walls and shit in there and like yeah. gun lockers. It's like, that's where they've fucking dudes hung out. So when I heard there was a movie called Rampart coming out, I was like, I'm seeing this immediately. By the way, you know who I saw at the shortstop once? No, no shit. Helen Mirren and Taylor Hackford. <laughs> that's, that's fucking crazy. I, <laughs> there was this after hours bar called dinner house M that was like illegal, but it, it's, it's close to there. It's, oh, it's on the other side of the freeway at Edgeware and temple, like right near where I live. Okay. And, uh, it was just like, you'd go there at like three and it was like weird. And like, there'd be like cocaine, but they were like still serving liquor. And it was like, okay, this is kind of cool, I guess. But one night I saw Mads Mickelson in there, <laughs> the bad guy from Christina Royale. And like, I couldn't stop looking. I was like, is that, and then I just went up there and I was like, are you Mads Mickelson? He was just like, yeah. I was like, carry on. I was just like, okay, I just wanted to make sure I'm not crazy. Was he having a good time? Because when I looked, think of him, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who can enjoy himself. It was weird because it, I could tell it was him like immediately. Uh, but yeah, he was just kind of like casual. He was like hanging out with, he had like a group of people. You know, he wasn't like boisterous and like partying, but he was, you know, he wasn't scowling. He wasn't crying blood. He's in a crazy-ass movie called Valhalla Rising. I just watched that on Netflix. So that guy, I mean, between <laughs> Bronson Drive and Valhalla Rising, those are like three of the craziest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> like, this guy Nicholas just must be insane. Uh, yeah, I need to see... <laughs> what are his I, other I, movies? I like Drive. I, the only one, well, he's, he's Danish, right? He's... Uh, I don't know, but he, he, he's most famous for the uh, Pusher trilogy. I've never seen that. Now Which I want I, to. I haven't seen yet. I thought Bronson was great. I mean, I, I like Bronson. Kind of hard to stomach, but good movie. The only one, other one awesome. besides Drive that I saw is one that always seems to get forgotten, and rightfully so. It wasn't very good. Called Fear X, starring uh, John Turturro and right. I, I want to say Turturro. James Remar. Maybe isn't it? I like James Remar. Uh, yeah, John great, great cast, but um, it just kind of a boring movie. Valhalla Rising is insane because, you know, Mads Mikkelsen's the lead actor. He doesn't talk the entire movie, and he has one eye. So he basically acts with one eye and no words the entire movie. <laughs> Plus, it's just, the movie barely makes sense. It's like a hallucinogenic, like, medieval, like, oh, man. It's like a fever dream of violence and blood and religion. It's crazy. Uh, see, I, I want to wrap up here, but I need to ask, did you see Immortals? I haven't seen Immortals. I, I saw 300. We all got really high and saw it, and I thought for that kind of movie... 
Is it the same guy? No, it's um, the Mortal System. The guy who did the Cell. It's not Zack Snyder. No, so no. that dude's even crazier. I don't like his movies. Zach I think in my mind I connected it with Three Hundred because in Three Hundred they're like, "Here are the Immortals," and those were like the oh, crazy yeah. Persian troops. It's, it's not it about a, that. It has a lot to do. I mean, it's. I immediately assumed it was a spinoff movie about those guys from <laughs> yeah, Three Hundred. I mean, it's the same. It's basically the same thing, though. But right? but um, in, in in Three Hundred, it's. It's all humans fighting. I guess, well, there's some things that are like monsters. I want to see that. I heard it's good. But Immortals is actually has, it has your human leads. Um, you know, uh, Henry Cavill is the good guy and Mickey Rourke is the bad guy. But then you've also got the gods and the... Uh, uh, I just think after Clash yeah, of the Titans, I, I the didn't know what looked good. Because Clash of the Titans looks so bad. I think it was like, oh, all those movies look terrible. And I, I don't think I took the I, time to look at the Immortals trailer and be like, oh, I this looks I think I'm cool. in the minority. I think a lot of people didn't like Immortals, but... I loved it. Okay. But Clash of the Titans looked terrible. I mean, I didn't yeah, see I that. I didn't see that. Didn't but see then, that. then I feel like there was a bunch of movies that were kind of like, you know, like Greek mythology. D- d- wasn't there like a couple movies that came out that were like, like that? like there were, but not, I'm drawing a blank on what the other ones were. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, I guess like Prince of Persia uh, was the like, oh, yeah. I don't know. One. There was a movie, if you like, uh, if you enjoyed, I, I, you didn't say if you enjoyed Valhalla Rising, but you I, I liked it. appreciate the criticism. I mean, it's non-linear. It, it leaves you with a lot of questions, but overall, I mean, I think I like Bronson more as a movie, and Valhalla Rising is like very disjointed and crazy, but it's a, it's a provocative, it's a very interesting movie. You're, you're not bored. There's a movie that I uh, really like. It is, uh, it's got Michael Fassbender and Dominic West. It's called Centurion. Okay. I think that's on Netflix. As I like well. Dominic West. Okay, he's he's great, and Michael Fassbender is uh, awesome as always. Um, and it's directed by the same guy that did The Descent. His name Neil, Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. Wait, is that the is that the movie where they get killed in the cave by cave people? <laughs> yeah, but some, yeah, some of them die. Maybe some of them survive. I think survive. that's what it says wanna... on the back. They get killed in the cave by cave people. Yeah. something like that. <laughs> it's the best cave person movie this year. <laughs> but yeah, I, so you've seen The Descent. I think I have. It's yeah. amazing. And I love The Descent. Oh, wait. It's amazing? Yeah. I think I saw one that was bad. Did There's you... a couple. Wait, is The Descent underwater? No, I think you're thinking of The Cave. Yes, I'm thinking of The Cave, and that movie's that terrible. That bad. Yeah. The Descent is... Is The, the Descent there underwater or no? No, The Descent is... They're in a cave. Wait, is, is The Descent all women? All women. Yes. Yeah. I don't like that one. Really? Oh, man. I thought the monsters were super dumb. You don't see that much of them. Mm, they're, like, they're like mutant hillbillies. It's like Hills Have Eyes style. It's like, this is dumb. I, I thought the movie I, was that's dumb. Not how I, I thought it was like well acted, and I liked the dynamics between all those women, but then it was like, once they started getting attacked, it was like, uh, it's just a guy. Like, stab him with the axe. They're not even monsters. <laughs> like, they're just weird but mole people. lots of them. I don't know. That movie lost they me. They were still frightening. They were designed very well. They were designed in a way that... I thought they looked like dumb. They could have... Really? Yeah, I thought they looked dumb. Well, look, oh, I man. think maybe we should wrap this podcast yeah, before, up. Yeah, they're like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like the descent. Cut him off. Yeah. Cut him off. We're done. As we we're heard, heard, David, enjoy, David enjoys hitting people uh, and fighting because <laughs> right, of over movies. movies yeah. So. Yeah. But I do... I, I will say... Maybe I gotta rewatch. Uh, Centurion, it's incredibly uh, violent, maybe overly violent. I like violent, that. I like ultra violence, but it's uh, it's done very well. It's on Netflix. It's, I think I'm. I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure okay. it is, and it's worth watching. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. Oh, speaking of violent Roman stuff, did you watch Rome on HBO? You know what? I've seen some of Rome, but I haven't seen it all. And I feel like there's so you know, there's like four Spartacus miniseries. Right. On Star- it's like what is all this stuff? I heard Rome is the best Rome of all those, yeah. and I think I need to sit down and watch it, because I'm really into Rome, like Gladiator, 
You know, that was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Did you see Rome? I saw the first season. The first season, okay. A little bit more than halfway maybe through the first season, there's a gladiator fight that is one of the goriest Goriest things I've ever seen on television. But really good. Like, really well done. I gotta see see that. That's the thing. I used to have HBO, and I'd, you know, watch everything on it, because that was my policy. I was like, I'm paying for this. I'm watching everything. I'm watching True Blood. But, like, now we only have Netflix, so... You know, our internet connection is not super fast, and streaming stuff online is not my preferred way to watch stuff. So hopefully yeah. all that stuff comes to Netflix. I, I've recently gotten, a, somewhat recently gotten a Blu-ray player, and even more recently gotten like a sound system, you know, for my... Well, it's great. Stuff. I live in the house, and one of the dudes, uh, he's, a, he's a total movie nerd. Uh, you guys would have great conversations. He's, uh, he has a great Blu-ray How does he feel about Blu-ray the Blu-ray library. Did he like The Descent? <laughs> he yeah. doesn't own The Descent, so that, he doesn't have the extent, because he has like yeah. all these movies, and all of them are like really good. Like his whole thing, he's like, I don't own any crappy movies like all of these 50 movies on the shelf are all great and like they are like uh-huh. he, he doesn't have any bad movies so uh, i'll have to ask his take on the descent uh <laughs> but yeah i want to i want to rewatch rome because i i fell in love with it in the first episode when the one uh is it polly walker i think is the actress where as like a, she ritualistically like is naked and has the dead like uh, giant like boar suspended over her and has one of her slaves slit the thing open and then she bathes, bathes in the in gore. Blood. Wow. And that's yeah, in the see, first that's, episode. That's yeah. why I loved Game of Thrones because it was just so over the top. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. yes, I love this. Like, yeah. this is so fun. All right. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, it's, it has. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and, and talking about silly movies and stuff with us. I just uh, hope that someone out there hears this. They hadn't heard of Commando and I changed <laughs> their life. I changed lives tonight. Isn't that strange? Real quick. Like I, I don't I I reflect maybe a little too much on my age maybe just because as of uh, the day we're recording this I'm a couple days away from thirty, but there there's like going to be like in ten fifteen twenty years there will be a generation of of people who or don't know about Commando who don't know about like they might know about Terminator Terminator two like they'll know those maybe but, but like just the sheer ridiculousness of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career yeah. Of his they life. They, of his, you know what? You're right. He'll be his president by then. They'll be like, oh, you mean the president? No, 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 no. This goes way back. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we've become... Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We had a, a guy named Matthias Stork on. We were talking about action. It was a much more academic episode. <laughs> um, but uh, This one was straight from the heart. <laughs> yeah. But we were talking about... Uh, I mean, think about... When Terminator 2 came out, uh, you know, we were probably all about the same age in elementary school or whatever. You know, I mean, that, like... The, the truck chase and, and oh all man T1000 yeah it, 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 it still was, looks good it still holds up what I'm saying is as audiences become more sophisticated people who are little kids now that will seem clunky to them like the yeah. way if it you still watch, looks pretty good if you watch the, the Frank my example is always Frank Sinatra's weird karate scene in the Manchurian Candidate yeah it's like it it's does not hold up movie, but it's so silly because yeah. it's, it's just like the most Chop, chop, like well, Terminator will be rebooted in ten years. That's right. the weird thing. So they're gonna they're gonna redo so the Terminator. Problem will be solved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reboots always solve problems. All right. So um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com where there are always uh, movies and uh, reviews of. Uh, uh, you know what? Yeah, let's do that first. Tweakedaudio.com. If you want to get yourself some awesome earbuds, uh, Carl, I don't know if you're in the market for earbuds, but if you are, you go to tweakedaudio.com. Okay. At checkout, you put in the offer code pretension. Excellent. And uh, you get 33%, one third off your, your, your that's purchase. A, that's just good business. And we see a little bit of that. <laughs> that's and a we, solid deal. We really, they, they did, we, this is only a, a couple weeks old, this, this sponsorship at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously, this episode will come out later. But um, I'm still, 
like I, I don't want to sound like a, a horrible shill, but they sent us some samples, and I really am still like wowed by how much I have been missing with in my earbuds. I couldn't find mine the other day, <laughs> and I needed to listen to uh, earbuds, and I was like, oh, "What the hell, man? Did I lose them?" <laughs> I was like, "Do I have to go back to these?" Stupid I'm sold. Apple you guys ones? are you have a lot of passion about these They're earbuds. Great. I'm they, sold. They come in all Turns different out, styles. I hate earbuds. Turns out I had uh, I had accidentally left it in the uh, nice black satin bag that they had sent me, oh, yeah, and I just assumed that I had is that a monogrammed there. bag? <laughs> oh, why well, yes, it is, Carl. Let's uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 get in touch with Bruce at Tweaked Audio and uh, see if uh, they can monogram a bag. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's tweakedaudio.com at the at checkout. Put in the offer code pretension. Uh, as I was saying, you can find us at battleshipretention.com is where you can listen to the episodes or read uh, reviews of uh, theatrical uh, releases or home video releases. Normally, I like to say what's coming up, but again, I don't know when this episode's going up. I don't know what we'll, what we'll have, but there's always stuff there. Um, you know, always check out check out battleshipretention.com before going out to the movies or the video store. If you go to a video store, uh, you can email there us at a video store, <laughs> you can yeah. email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. Follow me, David, on Twitter at the pretension. Follow Tyler at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com. And as always, my other podcast is previously on the weekly television review show, and that's at previouslyonshow.com. So, with all that out of the way, Carl, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm at Twitter at, at Carl Hess. That's Carl with a K. I hope none of you have been thinking I'm going to see Carl this entire episode. See <laughs> Carl's are human garbage. Um, <laughs> that's at K-A-R-L-H-E-S-S. Um, that's my Twitter account. Uh, CarlHessComedy.com is my blog. It's a Tumblr blog. Um, I tweet most about Commando, so <laughs> get on board now for some great Commando tweets. <laughs> Uh, thanks carl and thanks everyone for listening and and we'll get you next time bye bye